Hello, I'm Grayson Brulte, and welcome to another episode of SAE Tomorrow Today. Before this episode begins, please kindly take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and you will be notified when a new episode is released. SAE Tomorrow Today is published every Thursday. On today's episode, I sat down with Anad Gopalan, CEO of Velodyne LiDAR, to discuss the early days of Velodyne, being a CEO of a publicly traded company, and the growth of the LiDAR market. Enjoy this episode, and away we go. Welcome to the podcast, Anad. Thank you for having me, Grayson. I'm super excited. I'm really looking forward to this conversation because everybody that I talk to says, Velodyne is now a verb, and you are the de facto standard in LiDAR, so I can't wait to have a really interesting, wonderful conversation with you. Looking forward to it as well. There's so much happening in the LiDAR space that will be exciting to talk about. Anad, growing up, your grandfather was an automotive engineer, and your father worked in the automotive industry but you wanted to be a physicist. Why? You know, I came from this pedigree of people working in the automotive industry, and there was this natural unsaid pressure that I should go do the same thing. And of course, I wanted to be rebellious, but this was the extent of my rebellion, is that (laughs) I I decided that I was going to be a rebellious physicist, not a rock star or anything like that. I was, you know, heavily influenced by, you know, Stephen Hawking's book came out just about that time, and, you know, I was really interested in physics and, and... uh, decided I wanted to do that. And of course, then my dad said, okay, great, you're going to be a physicist, but how are you going to actually put food on the table? Because this was India in the 90s, and a physics degree did not really guarantee you a job. And so then I took the closest thing to that, which was electronics and electrical engineering. And uh, and of course, now, lo and behold, I'm back coming full circle, building product that goes heavily into the automotive industry. And so I can sort of you know, hear my dad sort of subtly chuckle and say, I told you so. What, what would they think? What would your grandfather and your father think? Your, your career has come full circle. Is there giant smiles there? I think there are. I think, you know, my grandfather, of course, is, uh, passed away a few years ago. My, um, my father chuckles every time he talks to me about what's going on. And I think it's, it's, it's really an incredible, uh, you know, I think it's a very proud moment for them. And uh, I, I feel very fortunate that I've been able to take that full circle and continue the family tradition, so to speak. And you can tell your father, look, I could put food on the table now. I'm, I'm the CEO of a publicly traded company. <laughs> just, is, he, right. is he just beam with pride? That's right. I think I, think I finally maybe over, over, you know, have overcome his, uh, his uh, concerns about me being able to put food on the table all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think he's, he's now... Uh, you know, he's pretty excited, watches the stock and, you know, and, and asks me all the questions about where the automotive industry is going and where it's going to end up and how all of this is going to uh, work itself out. So I think he's uh, probably, uh, you know, as excited or maybe even more excited than, than I am on a daily basis. So it makes for really interesting family conversations. It's fun because my father-in-law calls me and, he, and he, he's got an iPad and he's obsessed. Hey, did you see this company's doing this deployment here? This company's doing that. Oh, that LiDAR company. You know those guys, right? It's this funny back and forth where there's a gen- in, our, in our families, there's a genuine curiosity about the industry, which always at the dinner table when they come over for the holidays always keeps you on edge. Like, okay, where's he going to go with this conversation? Yeah, that's right. And you know, the, the thing that was interesting is I spent a lot of time in the early part of my career working on semiconductors. And that was a very challenging family conversation because it's very hard to explain what you're doing when you're working in core semiconductors. The other nice thing about LiDAR is everyone knows it, right? I mean, it's even in the iPhone these days. And so it's become so mainstream that it's very easy to explain what I'm doing for the first time probably in my career, which is actually 
kind of fun also. It's fun. Um, uh, last year at my daughter's school, we were, I gave a talk on self-driving cars, and I was talking about LiDAR. And they said, well, that's cool. Well, well, what is it? I said, think about this. It's the eyes of the car. The car can see. And these kids are four and five years old. Their eyes light up. Oh, wow, the car has eyes. We can see where we're going. And it's fun being able to explain that to people. And you joined Velodyne in 2016 as CTO, building on your, your technical, impressive technical background. And today you're, you're CEO. And not only are you CEO of an incredible company, you're CEO of a publicly traded company. What was that journey like from this incredible technology background that you bring to Velodyne and working your your way up to CEO. Yeah, you know, it, it's been an it's been such an incredible journey and it and it it's in to some extent when I think back on it 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 really does feel like, you know, the sort of quintessential origin story that so many Silicon Valley companies have. I literally started with two other guys in the founder David Hall's boatyard up in Alameda where he builds boats. And it was three of us with a dirt floor uh, in and uh, no air conditioning. And on the outside, they were grinding this uh, tugboat. And you know, and this is this is the environment we started. In. It was so industrial. It was so quintessentially uh, Silicon Valley. It, you know, uh, maybe Silicon Valley's not got so many such stories anymore. But this is you know sort of the founding of the place. And you know, we've grown the, you know, it's been growth on so many levels. You know, the, the, the technology itself going from a, a one line of products to this proliferation of products across so many different categories. The applications in the hands of our customers, you know, going from, you know, just talking about self-driving cars and AV to so many different applications, and we can talk about that in a minute. And then also really the people size of, size of it going from, you know, Two people, as I said, to you know, at this point, you know, about 200 engineers working on so many different aspects of the of the technology, and so you know, it's been this really incredible journey, and you know, really working alongside David Hall, who's this prolific inventor, thinking about product strategy, thinking about the business strategy, and all of that was happening through this period of you know four four and a half years. And so to some extent when all, you know being through that journey and then when David finally asked me to take over the day-to-day -day runnings of the business uh, late last year it seemed like a natural enough transition uh, of course no transition is perfect there's always some new learning but it felt like we had worked on the strategy together we had come so far together in building up this incredible you know uh, company that uh, that it was something that felt natural and good it's important to point out for those that don't know, David Hall's this incredibly visionary who's always ahead of the curve. And Validine, he started making these incredible speakers early on. And he was ahead of that whole curve. And so I think it's important to find out when in those early days in 16, when you're working with David, was is he still tinkering on speakers or was it more focused still to LiDAR? Yeah, at that point it was very fo it was much more focused on LiDAR. Yes, as you know, for, for you know people who don't know David, he is... He has this incredible, uh, almost intuitive ability to look around the corner and see trends as they become real. And really, this ability to, uh, you know, almost this brave and unyielding ability to look for perfection in products. And, you know, so in 2016, when I joined, he was already, he had already turned his attention almost completely to, to LiDAR. And that was the time when we were really having conversations with, you know, he had been the sole supplier to the industry, the AV industry. And we were having some really interesting conversations around, you know, how is this going to scale? 
and what what needs to happen for these these applications to scale and for lidar to scale and you know fast forward 5 years i think you're seeing uh, the results of that but yeah it, it was it was really a time of uh, incredible vision both from a application and technology point of view but also from a product roadmap point of view and we spent a lot of time those days talking about those things and do those days prepare you to to take the company public as ceo cuz it seems like i don't i don't want to like you were always learning i'm picking up on an always learning philosophy you're, you're there on the front lines you're learning and little did you know years later you would be tapped to be the ceo of this incredible company and it seems like you're helping make david's vision come true with your with your leadership yeah i mean i think they did you know because velodyne first and foremost is a technology and innovation company and that's the dna that really uh, is spread throughout the fabric of the company and so from that perspective that will continue to be the driving force for the business is how we can look around the curve build products and technologies that solve problems that people haven't even seen coming just yet and really preparing us for continuing to be the first mover in all of these different application spaces and that time with david really learning about how we can bring this product roadmap to life and and what are the applications around lidar that are possible even in the future i think those really did prepare me to 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 take uh, over the reins because i think that's what's going to continue to drive the company forward is this ability to look far ahead and see the incredible potential applications for the technology and then being able to bring products to life that actually uh you know meet the needs of those applications and i think that's going to continue to be the driving force for the business and i think really my time with david working on that strategy and roadmap alongside him did prepare me to take over and you're right that the the growth of lidar is exponential especially as vehicles get more advanced and we eventually work our way from ADAS to you know levels 4 of autonomy But now that you're 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 CEO of a publicly traded company, has your management style changed at all since you have to um just, you know, running as you know running a publicly traded company is a lot different than running a privately held company? Has it changed your management style at all? You know, I think I would say some things have evolved, but some things are still very much the way they were. As I said, you know, the heart of the company's innovation and uh and product development and technology development to solve for problems of the future and that hasn't changed our approach to doing that has not changed the you know the demand that david always had for perfection in the product and really best in class performance and quality hasn't changed so those things are really fundamental to the business what of course we have also been able to is you know put in place processes and people and and methods that are, that create the discipline that is needed to basically uh, to be a public company to say what you're going to do and then do it predictably so i think there's been there's been an evolution that started in fact even before i took over where we we had these thoughts about really preparing ourselves to be a public company and we have been working for more than a year at this point putting in place many of these processes methodologies and even people controls to really create that predictability um around the commercial and the business side of things so i would say yeah it's a mixed bag some things have evolved and gotten more disciplined um and then you know it's really in our best interest to keep some of the core dna intact and untouched
As someone who invests in the public markets, I'll say thank you because that's what you, you want to hear from a publicly traded CEO. You want to hear honesty and candor, but you also want to, to focus on delivering value for shareholders. So as a public markets investor, thank you for that. And staying on the, the public market thing, you, you have your first earnings call coming up on November 5th. Are you actively pre preparing for that? Is it kind of butterflies in your stomach? Is there excitement? Because what you just said, you're clearly prepared to lead a publicly traded company and you're clearly prepared to grow a publicly traded company. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on how you're preparing. Yeah, you know, obviously it's Velodyne's first earnings call. So we are incredibly excited. There's sort of a, a, a thrill and excitement that's running through all parts of the business as we get ready for this. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I think I feel very confident and comfortable that we have done so much work in putting these processes that I talked about in place, and we have taken such a disciplined approach to gathering the data and the information that's needed to be able to communicate to the public investment community that that piece of it is, uh, you know, almost muscle memory. And we are we are able to those those processes are working. The data is coming together, and we are able to uh, get things together for that call. And the other thing is Velodyne has such an incredible story to tell that it's really, I also see it as another opportunity for you know, the investment community to get to know us. We are still a newly minted public company and there's a lot of people in the investment community who don't know this incredible you know, quintessential Silicon Valley story. And I see the earnings call also as an opportunity to again retell this, uh, this story and for the investment community to, to understand the technology and the company a little bit better. How are you going to communicate to investors in the public that LiDAR is not just for ADAS, it's not just for self-driving cars? There's a wide variety of uses, and I'm starting to hear a trend from friends of mine that work in infrastructure of using LiDAR in intersections for, for accounting because you're not going to invade somebody's privacy, but you'll still get all that data. Could you kind of shed some light on outside of automotive what the uses are for LiDAR, please? Yeah, you know, there are so many applications beyond automotive. I mean, LiDAR is even now touted as being in the Apple iPhone, you know, and so that's that's when you know the technology has become mainstream. Uh, and, you know, beyond automotive, Velodyne has customers in so many diverse industries, robotics, mapping, trucking, uh, drones, security. Uh, of course, while LiDAR has been, you know, critical in solving the, uh, the challenges in the automotive industry with moving goods and moving people, we are seeing so many different applications for LiDAR beyond that. We have a customer you know, who's mo mo using LiDAR to monitor the health of power lines to prevent you know, sort of deadly wildfires as we are seeing that as being such a challenge for those of us who live in the western part of the, the country. Uh, you know, LiDAR has obviously helped, you know, it's all you know, in, uh, famously helped find Mayan ruins which were undiscovered and it's helped you know, map out redwood forests. Uh, we have customers who are using LiDAR to, to sweep streets using autonomous street sweepers. Um, and then in this pandemic, it's been really incredible. We have had customers who have used LiDAR-based uh, robotic systems to deliver food, medicines, uh, goods, you know, all over the world. You know, when this whole thing started off in, in Wuhan, we had a customer who was using our, uh, you know, our LiDAR with their robotic solutions to deliver uh, you know, medicines and supplies to, to people who are in lockdown. The same thing has happened in North America as well. So I think, you know, we, we are living in a world where, you know, autonomy, autonomy of all sorts is really being used to uh, improve society and 
make communities safer and more productive. And LiDAR, as you said you know, early on, it, the, it's the eyes of these machines. And so we are seeing so many incredible uh, applications. And I find that, I find that very uh, personally satisfying, but also for us as a company, it's, it's, really, it's really exciting to see. Yeah. And one of the untapped growth markets in, in automotive is, is high, SAE level two plus ADAS. And there's a big debate and where, oh, you don't need the LiDAR, you do need the LiDAR, but now you're starting to see a lot of automotive companies saying, if we're gonna run a highly advanced version of ADAS, we need LiDAR. As the CEO of LA and, and having a rich technical understanding of LiDAR, what are the benefits to putting a LiDAR on a SAE level two plus ADAS system? Yeah, I mean, LiDAR has perception capabilities and it's uh, that other sensors just don't have. I mean, LiDAR has the ability to detect objects, measure distances, detect movement in environments, and do that across all lighting conditions, whether it's day or night, and uh, a variety of different weather, weather conditions. You know, there's, uh, there's a lot of studies that have come out. There's work that was done by AAA and IIHS that really looked at pedestrian automatic emergency braking systems, which is a classic level two function that exists in all our cars, and the studies are public and out there that show that these systems have a really hard time working identifying pedestrians and bicyclists even in the day. And if you actually did the testing in the night, and we, we, have, we have done some testing and we recently released a white paper on this, you would see that these systems work very, very poorly in the nighttime. And LiDAR basically bringing its own light to the party, in, in a sense, is able to work completely you know, day or night with the same level of precision and and that's the reason why you know the OEMs are clearly acknowledging that to build truly safe ADAS functions, even at a level two, level two plus level, LiDAR has a lot to bring to the table. And Velodyne as the leader, having been able to bring the cost uh, down for the technology to a point where level two applications can also be served, I think the, there is no argument left for not adopting LiDAR to make these cars and roadways safer uh, using level two plus LiDAR. I love the line, bring your own light to the party. Uh, that should be the Velodyne tagline now. That was awesome. <laughs> I think our marketing team is on the call, so I'm sure they're taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> Bravo. For, for our listeners who understand ADAS, understand LiDAR, but might not be able to put the safety elements together, could you kind of shed a little more light on some of the safety features that by putting LiDAR in a level two system that it will, it will enable? Yeah, because of the ability for uh, LiDAR to do so much in terms of detect, detect, detecting pedestrians, detecting road surfaces, driving surfaces, and so on, you can, you can see LiDAR being able to perform a whole array of level two and level three functions, going from uh, pedestrian automatic emergency braking, lane keep assist, lane centering, these are classic level two functions, going to level three functions like traffic jam assist, all the way to a highway and suburban autopilot systems. Um, you know, Velodyne's LiDAR technology is capable of being able to uh, support and uh, achieve these levels of functions across the board. And this is the reason why we are seeing so much interest in OEMs around the usage of LiDAR, because you can really unlock the entire roadmap of uh, ADAS functionality uh, in level two, level three, with a path to level four and level five because of the presence of LiDAR on these systems. It's fun because it's kind of, you. Velodyne became 
as I said earlier, the de facto verb, because the industry in the early days of self-driving rallied around Velodyne and every uh, event you would go to, Velodyne had a booth there and, and every vehicles were running Velodyne. And you've built an incredible market share there. And it seems like your market sh share there is now shifting down to ADAS. And so you're going to get both sides of the market. Is that what we're hearing here? Yeah. I mean, in fact, I think, you know, what we are seeing is because of our ability, because of our foundational technology, the relationships that we have had with these OEMs and tech companies for over a decade. And really the, 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 the Velodyne way, which is really innovating and creating new solutions constantly, we see ourselves poised to be able to take advantage of these applications in ADAS, continue our leadership, as you talked about in the AV space, and then further expand into all of these other uh, applications we are talking about around infrastructure and smart cities and delivery robotics. And so that that you know is what we see ahead of us, is this ability to really create a broad-based set of solutions that serve all of these different markets and um, create an incredible growth story for the company. In the early days of self-driving, how is Veldon able to build and, and maintain those relationships as these companies started with two or three guys in a garage and to became multi-billion dollar corporations. One consistent trend was Velodyne was there from day one uh, to big corporate day. How were you able to maintain those relationships over the years as these companies grew? Yeah, I know. I think it, I think it started with actually David himself. You know, when he, in the, when he invented this technology in the original DARPA challenge, uh, you know, the, the DARPA challenge was a group of people uh, who were working on all of these systems. And David was able to demonstrate and sell his uh, LiDAR uh, sensors to the, the DARPA participants. As it's famously known in 2007, five out of the six teams who finished had David's LiDAR on it. And these people have really gone forth and proliferated the industry of autonomy, right? So all of these people are still you know, leaders in all these major OEM and tech companies working on autonomous solutions. So that's where those relationships started. And, you know, as we have, you know, we talk about within Velodyne, we talk about the Velodyne way, which is the sort of serial inventorship that David brings to the table, looking constantly for solutions, and then sharing this technology with these key leaders who have, you know, continue to be uh, in this world of autonomy. And then constantly listening to the feedback from these deep relationships that we have found and evolving the technology and the product, solving for safety, solving for cost, solving for scalability. And then also now what has happened is because of the thought leadership that we have had, we have been able to broaden our outreach, listen to the broader community. You know, we, we recently had our uh, World Safety Summit and it's an example of us bringing you know, together not just technologists, and commercial people, but policymakers and you know people in the journal in the in the media and journalism community to really talk about and understand what the needs of the community are, and then turn that around and really bring solutions to market that meet those needs. I think that's really what has kept us uh, you know ahead of the game, and really that's what I would categorize as being the Velodyne way. And when you focus on relationships, and you have a lot of them, one that stands out to me is that you, Nikon's an investor, and you have a manufacturing relationship with it. My first job ever was in a camera store, and so I've shot Nikon my my whole life. And then I see, wow, this company they've admired since 
I've been like 14 years old, is now working with the leader in LiDAR. Could you kind of shed some light on that? Because I'm looking at this from a camera perspective, but I know there's a lot more than a, a camera perspective here. Yeah, I mean, I think the the you know the best way to talk about that relationship and the synergy is actually to to quote uh, what the 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 president and CEO of Nikon said when when David and I first met with him. He said, you know, Nikon has been deliver, uh, developing and delivering systems for the past century that allow human beings to see and perceive the world. I I believe the next century is going to be ab about allowing machines to perceive the world, and you know, that really, you know, resonates with how we see, what we see as our mission is really this overarching mission of allowing systems and autonomous systems and machines to be able to see the world and perceive the world as they help our, our communities and help, uh, help mankind. And I think that's really where the synergy starts, this joint vision that that's what we can bring to the table together. I think Nikon clearly realizing that they, the growth for them is not just in allowing human beings to perceive the world and take pictures and so on, but actually moving to the mach to machine perception. Um, so I think that's where this relationship got started. Uh, and of course, Nikon is the you know is is really one of the uh, best in the world at manufacturing high-end optical systems and technologies. So there is a, there is a deep uh, synergy there as well, where we are able to leverage their expertise in manufacturing high-end optical systems and also being able to take those systems into the mass market. And, um, and of course, our expertise in LiDAR and LiDAR technology and LiDAR applications combined with their manufacturing expertise uh, is pretty powerful. I think it's important from, this is purely from a photographer standpoint, Nikon knows how to weatherize cameras you can put them in ice they understand weather elements from sand and dirt to dust to cold and it's very similar to the elements that your pucks will be exposed to from your lidar pucks are you learning a lot of like the, the tricks of the trade since they've tried to uh prepare these cameras for all sorts of incidents of where these photographers go around the world yeah as i said i think you know it's it's about creating weatherized solutions and also being able to do that at scale right i mean there's, there's, and I've always talked about this, I think the thing that sets Velodyne apart is really our ability to scale up this technology and deliver hundreds of thousands or millions of units. And you're right, I mean, Nikon has been able to do that with their camera technologies, which some of their high-end high cameras are incredibly complex optical systems. And, 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 and they work, as you said, across all sorts of conditions in many different parts of the world. And, and Nikon's ability to do that is definitely a, a huge strength that they bring to the table. And I do believe, as you have said, we would be able to create you know, really scalable uh, LiDAR perception solutions that are um, incredibly rugged and work across all different conditions. And that's definitely uh, what we are, uh, one of the things we are working together on. Oh, that's wonderful. And now you're, you're clearly focused on scale and we're in the middle of a global pandemic and you're, you're hearing a lot on business papers and on CNBC and Bloomberg a lot about supply chain. How are you managing the, the, uh, the supply chain to ensure that your customers are getting the LiDAR that they need during this um, uncertain time? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, this is uh, something that we have been, you know, aware of as a risk and working on for many years at this point. And the first thing that we did really is to create a much more globally diverse supply chain. We have really looked very carefully at supplier concentration 
over geography, over specific suppliers, over specific types of components, and try to solve for that over the past three, four years. Uh, and then, of course, creating manufacturing centers that are not in one, only in one geography. So we have, we have Nikon, who's you know, in Japan. We have our own manufacturing facility uh, in San Jose. We have a manufacturing facility in Thailand. So creating the sort of diversity of manufacturing base. I think those things have really helped us, and really we were able to manage through the pandemic without really significant losses from a supplier perspective because of this ability to uh, have multiple suppliers and diverse supply supply chains. And of course, as the leader in the space, you know we have these deep supplier relationships as well. And often the suppliers are seeking us out and saying, hey, here's a new technology that I can bring to the table, or here's a new cost optimization I can bring to the table. And that's now a significant advantage because we are able to have these conversations ahead of everyone else and really be able to set the products up for success um, and manage through this. So I think our supply chain has really endured very well uh, through this challenging uh, COVID, COVID pandemic. Extremely smart. And I'm going to go back to what I said earlier about being well prepared to be a CEO of a publicly traded company. Boy, are you well prepared. And when, 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 you, when you look back at your time as being CEO of Velodyne, what would you like the world to remember? I think, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is really positioning Velodyne as, you know, you know, sort of the champion in transforming the world, transforming our society, transforming communities with safety and safe mobility uh, and being able to do that for all people. So really democratizing safety. Uh, the other thing is really, as I said before, bringing LIDAR and its benefits to help solve real societal problems and you know, by helping move people, moving goods, and being able to do that in the most uh, cost-effective and, and safe fashion. And then last but not the least, by any means, the fact that I led a great team and a great company that will always move forward, that will always innovate, and will always have this DNA of looking outwards and solving the, the uh, problems that society has. That's awesome. Anand, as we look to wrap up this wonderful conversation, what would you like the listeners to take away with them about Velodyne, yourself, and LIDAR in general? I think we are in a world today where Velodyne is now able to truly democratize LIDAR. You know, we are able to bring its power and capabilities to so many different applications uh, and so many different uh, use cases that will impact everyone's lives in a positive way. We are also able to really create true safe mobility, really not, not in the context of full AVs, but in the context of ADAS, creating safer cars, safer roadways for, again, for all of society. We're able to also really create much more efficient systems and sustainable systems to be able to move goods from the farm to your table or from the factory floor to your front door. Really, we see ourselves having this incredible impact on society. And really, that's what I would like for the listeners to be able to take away. Awesome. And as we've heard in this wonderful conversation with Anad, Velodyne is transforming the world and they're making the world a better place through LIDAR. So Anad, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule. And I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening to SAE's Tomorrow Today podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, Please kindly rate it, share your feedback, we love comments, and subscribe.
on your favorite podcast platform. For more information on SAE and SAE podcasts, be sure to visit sae.org forward slash podcast and follow SAE on social media at SAEINTL on Twitter and Instagram and at SAE International on Facebook and LinkedIn. SAE International makes no representations as to the accuracy of the information presented in this podcast. The information and opinions are for general information only. SAE International does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast.